Now, I don't know about you, but I have a really hard time following directions. Like most guys, we get something that we have to build, and what do we do? There's the directions, and we just quickly toss those, right? We're like, I got this. Okay, this is an adult Lego set, and I'm going to be fine. But then you build whatever you're supposed to be building, and how many of us are left with a lot of extra screws? And you're like, why did they put so many extra screws in here? I don't understand. It's like, they didn't put a lot of extra, maybe one or two, but not 20. And so you're on your way to disaster. You're on your way to to things not going well. And the real reason why is because we don't want to trust the process. That's what directions are, by the way. Directions are process. Directions are help lead to lead you and guide you through something to get where you want to be. But so many of us have that clear vision of what we want because it's on the box, right? Like it's a chair. There it is. That's what I want. I can do this. And I don't want to waste time in the process. But today, what I want to uh, encourage us with is that you and I really need to trust the process and the timing of things. That we really need to slow down to engage with what God is doing and trust that God's not only building something in your life, but he's building it perfectly. Now, I have a hard time waiting for that because I always want to move faster. I always want to go a little bit quicker than the actual process. And today, I want us to see how important it is to follow the process of God in our lives for his will for your life. A lot of us in here may have a good idea of what God's will for our life is. You might not know the specifics, okay? And I can't tell you the specifics. I had a lot of college students that would come into my office and they'd be like, Blake, I need help. I don't understand. I'm like, what am I supposed to do with my life? And I was like, I can give you general things. Like we're to love God and love people. I know that. And so whatever specific thing you do in your life, you're to love God and love people. That you're supposed to tell the world about the goodness of who God is and the gospel and the saving grace of God in our lives. That, that's For every person who's a believer in Jesus, that's the call on your life. That's the big vision. How that plays out specifically, I don't know. But for a lot of us, we get frustrated in the process of things. We get frustrated in, in not allowing things to take the time that they need. In fact, who, anyone in here fly? You guys fly on airplanes? Yeah? The most exciting part of a flight is the takeoff and the landing, right? Otherwise, it's basically smooth sailing, unless there's a delay at the airport when you're trying to land. A couple years ago, I was on a flight, and we could actually, it was to New York, and I could see New York City. Like, and we just kept flying around in circles around the city. And we were in process, but I was losing patience. And so I was looking down, and it was the hardest thing because it's like, that's where I want to be. I can see it. I'm so close, yet so far. And so finally, the pilot got on the speaker, and he's like, hey, folks, you know how they talk, you can't understand them. But he's like, hey, folks, listen, I just want to let you know, you may have noticed we've been flying around New York City for a while. I'm like, yeah, we've noticed, okay? That's a lot of right turns, okay? And so he says, listen, we got here faster than expected. Some of the wins for us to get here were better than anticipated. And so we didn't burn enough fuel on our way here. So if we were to land the plane right now, we would crush the landing gear because of the weight of the plane. And so we have to fly around for a while and burn some gas, And so we can lighten up so that we can land the plane. At that point, I was very thankful for the process. 
<clears throat> I was very thankful for the timing and what was a misery when I understood what was happening, it gave it all context and it helped me to believe. Now, the problem is for a lot of us is we always don't get the whole part of the story. But today we're going to see someone who didn't get quite the whole part of the story. They rushed the process and there's some disastrous results in their life. And there's a name of God that speaks to this that begins to help us. One of my wife's favorite shows, this is how I think about it, uh, is The British Baking Show. I don't know if you guys watch it. Kelsey watches it all the time. I probably fall asleep to it like nine times out of ten. <clears throat> and there's this week uh, in this show. It's like, Man, if this is exciting for you in a show... You might need to expand your horizons, okay? But it's called Bread Week, okay? Bread Week. And everyone's like, Bread Week, it's Bread Week. And I'm like, they're just making bread, guys. Like, this is not, <clears throat> you guys need some help. Can I call you? Um, but during Bread Week, if you know anything about making bread, I don't, but I've learned because I'm stuck. Um, <clears throat> you have to let the bread, like, process and rise properly. So like they have these proofing, I guess it's called proofing. I don't know why, but it's called proofing. And they have these drawers and they're called proofing drawers. And what happens is, is now that I've watched a bajillion seasons of this, I'm like, oh, he took it out of the proofer too quick. <laughs> that dude, he's done. He's toasted. He didn't make bread. He made a brick. Okay. And so, cause they didn't allow the process of what needed to happen in the bread to happen properly. And then their vision didn't come out properly because they couldn't trust it. And I think for a lot of us here today, we may be in our life, instead of making bread, we're making bricks. Because we're just so anxious and so ready to see what God is doing and we want to see it come to life. And so today we're going to be looking at the life of Abraham. Abraham's a really cool guy in the Bible. He shows up early in Genesis chapter 15. We're going to go through a couple chapters today, but Abraham and his wife, Sarah, they kind of rush the process on a couple things in their life. And that rushing of process has some disastrous results. If you have a Bible with you, open up to Genesis 15. If not, don't worry, the words will be on the screen for you. Uh, but here, starting in verse 4 of chapter 15, it says this, Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will be your heir. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is of your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, you shall, uh, so shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord and he credited to him as righteousness. Abraham is in this moment where God has given him these promises, but he has no kids. Abraham and Sarah are dealing with infertility. They have this deep desire in their heart to have a family and to see this family grow, but the process and the timing isn't quite where it is going to be. And so God says, I'm going to, to give you a great inheritance. And Abraham goes, man, I don't have any kids. So is it going to be this like cousin? And that's what God is speaking to you. He says, it's not going to be this guy. You're going to have a son of your own flesh and blood that will be your heir. But here's really the reality uh, of what it calls for us to believe in the will of God. And there's three things to believe about God's will for our lives. See, a lot of us in church, we, 
We talk about what's God's will for your life? What's God's will for your life? What's God's will for your life? And yes, we want you to understand and know what God has for you in your life. But there's two aspects of believing about God's will that we never talk about that I think frustrate us the most. The things that we need to believe is first is God's vision for your life. Do you believe that God has a call on your life and a vision for your life and that you are to pursue that vision and to walk towards it? Now, that's the first thing. But not only that, when we are following God's will for our life, we have to believe in the timing of God. Do you believe in the process of God? Do you believe that, that he will bring things to pack perfectly? He will bring them, you know, to come through, but he's going to do it perfectly. And so perfect things take time. And then not only that, the time is part of it, but God is preparing you and processing you to be able to receive what he has for you. How many of us know every gift is a curse in the wrong season? I give this example all the time. Jude really loves my truck. Jude's four years old. I want to bless my son. I hope that one day I can buy my son a truck and that he can have that and it can be a great thing. But if I was to give Jude the keys to my truck now and said to him, hey, here's the keys, buddy. Enjoy. That would be a major curse for his life. Yes, because maybe he'll make it out of the driveway, but he's not going to do well on Fruitville. I mean, a lot of us can't do well on Fruitville, <laughs> let alone I-75. Why? Because there hasn't been enough time and enough process in Jude's life to receive the vision and the blessing of that gift. And for a lot of us, it's, it's believing and trusting in those three things. Not only God's will for your life, which is exciting. I know that it is. And you want to get there and you want to be a part of it. But it's trusting the timing and the process that God is developing you to be ready. Here's how I would think about it. If you've ever taken pictures. Now, if you're young in this room, you don't know much about this. But if you're a little bit older in this room, you know. We used to take pictures on film. And what would happen is the lens opens up, the aperture opens up, the image is imprinted on the film, and then it goes dark again. Because if you expose the film to light too early, you ruin the picture. For a lot of us, we have that vision of what that picture is. But if you wanted to see that picture right now, and you just took the film out of the camera and tried to look at it real quick, it would be ruined. And so today... What we have to understand is, is following God's will and getting to where God wants us to be is going to take a lot of faith in the middle. You know, we talk about this all the time. We have valleys and mountaintops, and we, and we all talk about where God met us in the valley and met us on the mountaintop, but most of the life is lived in between. And so if we just have mountaintop and valley kind of faith, the middle is going to be really hard where you spend most of your time. And so today, that's what I want us to talk about is not only what is God's will for your life, but are you trusting the timing and the process that God has for you and not growing weary and tired? Because how many of us know when we get impatient and we don't like the process, we start taking shortcuts. We start moving things forward faster than they really need to be. Has anybody in here ever done that? Did it work out very well? Because things weren't developed and ready for you in your life. So Abraham hears and Sarah hear this incredible promise of God. I mean, God takes him outside and shows him the stars and says, look at the stars. Like this will be your descendants. This will be your inheritance. And so they keep trying to have babies. 
We're going to see in the text that they grow very old and they still have no kids and they start to worry and, and not understand about how God is going to bring it about. And so they start to rush the process. Genesis chapter 16, verses 1 to 4. Now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarah said. And so after Abram had been living in Canaan, 10 years they've been dealing with infertility since this promise. 10 years they've been wondering what was going to happen. They've been wondering how this was going to happen and trying. And can you imagine what 10 years of every month of disappointment would be like? Some of you in this room can. God's given you a promise, but it's been 10 years, 120 months of disappointment. That's a lot of no's. That's a lot of no's. And so they start to get anxious. And, and so what happens is, is so Abram's been there for 10 years and he took his, uh, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Now, if you know anything about this chapter in the Bible, this is not just a pivotal chapter in the Bible. This is a pivotal chapter in world history. This is the separation of two major world religions. This chapter right here is the separation between Christianity and Islam. The rushing of the process, the moving forward in ways that weren't intended. And notice they tried to do it the right way. They got married. They did all of these things. Had disastrous results, not just for them, but for the world. There's been contention and strife and over this chapter of the Bible because the process was rushed because what had happened was rushed. And I want you to notice something. Abraham and Sarah never disbelieved God's promise. They just didn't believe in the process and the timing. Notice they said, hey, God has promised you a son. And Sarah's like, he didn't promise me one per se. So what if you marry and sleep with my maidservant and then she has, maybe that's the way. How many of us in this room right now are trying to figure out how God's will is going to come into your life and so you're like a detective. Maybe this is how and that's how or maybe I need to do this or maybe I heard right but I didn't understand that I was supposed to do this first. But maybe what you've been called to do is to wait and to trust and to allow things to come about naturally and properly. And so Sarah gives her maidservant away. He sleeps with her and they have a baby named Ishmael. Islam says that Ishmael is the true heir. And so that the promises of Abraham went to Ishmael and not Isaac. That's who they will have later in their life. And so what happens here is we see something that happens to so many of us. When we are, we're believing what God's call is, but not trusting the process and the timing, here's what can happen. You can have the right intentions, but the wrong delivery. That's exactly what happened with Abraham and Sarah. They look and they have pure, good, and holy, and righteous intentions. They want to see God's promise fulfilled in their life. 
but they used the wrong delivery method to get to where God was going to have them be. And that's what happens to a lot of us. I think a lot of us in this room think that people who do bad things do them for purely terrible reasons. And that's really not the truth. How many of us in this room, you're a good person, but you have done things and accelerated things in your life with good intentions, but with disastrous results because you rushed the delivery of what was to come. And so I don't want to hate on Abraham and Sarah. They had good intentions, but there's been a lot of things that happen in life that started with good intentions, that started with with the process, but that they couldn't wait. They couldn't wait for what God was going to do to allow it to develop. And so they start to run ahead of God. And let me just tell you, you don't want to run ahead of the covering. This is probably one of the hardest things. It's like Abraham and Sarah for years, years of their life, Abraham and Sarah, Sarah's, I think Abraham's 89 years old in Genesis 16. They probably got married when they were 14. They've been waiting to have a baby for, let's just easy math, 70 years. 70 years. They've been waiting. That's a long time. And I think what can happen for us is we can have compassion and empathy for Abraham and Sarah in this text and go, man, I I feel you. I feel you. Man, that is so long. You've been waiting so long. And it's a good thing. You want kids and you want this family. And man, you, you want all of it. And it's good. And we can understand what's happening. But Sarah and Abraham's story is a one of reminder what it means to not wait and allow God's process to happen. Because here's the reality that a lot of us need to understand in this room. God will always make right from wrong, but doesn't use wrong to make right. God will make right from wrong, but doesn't use wrong to make right. And so if you're in here and you're trying to accelerate the process and the timing of what God has for you, you're probably going to use something wrong, but you're going to try to go towards the right thing. That's not how God works in the process of life. That's not how God develops things. God will take what man meant for evil and make it for good. But God is not going to use evil and and bad things to make it right. And so if you are in this process of life, and if you are in this moment, and you're looking towards what God has for you in the future, and you are considering to do things that aren't right to head towards right, you're in the wrong place. I can just tell you now that that's not how God wants you to accomplish what he has for you in your life. But a lot of us have this internal conversation. Yeah, but I'm doing the wrong thing for the right reason. I've never watched the show Breaking Bad, but anyone in here watch Breaking Bad? It sounds like he started doing things for the right reason. He wanted to make money for his family. He was sick. I don't know. I haven't seen it. But here's the reality. He was doing the wrong thing. He's making meth. It's like, this is not the way, bud. I get you want to take care of your family. Making meth is not the way. (laughs) But for a lot of us in our life, that's what we do. We'll overcharge people. We'll we'll not be quite as sincere as we could be in the quote. 
We will, maybe we should have returned something and we don't, I don't know. But for a lot of us is, and we use the goodness that God has set before us as the excuse to why we're rushing the process and the timing. And I'm telling you here that that will have disastrous results in your life. And so the real question becomes, and this is where we are introduced to the name of God, because God quickly speaks into Abraham's life and quickly intervenes and starts to talk to him. Quickly is a relative term here. Genesis 17 verses 1 to 2, the Bible says this, when Abraham was 99 years old, 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. This is the name of God that we're looking at today. The name is El Shaddai. Everyone say El Shaddai. The Lord Almighty, he says, walk before me faithfully and be blameless. That means let's do the right thing. Let's walk the right way. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. And so here's the question for a lot of us. You know what God wants for you in your life and you're excited about it and you're in process. But this process is getting hard and you're getting ready to cut corners and you're getting ready to accelerate and you're getting ready to do all of these things. And I'm here to tell you that it's not going to have the desired results that you want. Because every gift is a curse in the wrong season. And that good thing that God has waiting for you in the future that he has to prepare you for now won't be a gift if you get there too early. Anyone ever financed a car that they really love but really couldn't afford? <laughs> David Dusek was like, yeah, right? Like, you know, here's it, me too. Because, man, it was good and it was desirable and it was all of these things. And, man, those car salesmen, they'll find a way. You know what they ask you? What do you want your payment to be? And you're like, well, 120 bucks. They're like, great. You're going to pay for this car for 35 years. I hope you love it. And you're like, I, I do? And what happens is, is, or you get into a payment you can't afford. And how many of us know? It's not great to have a car that you can't afford to put gas in because the payment is so high. And now this thing sitting in your driveway is not something that brings you life. It actually sucks the life out of you. And what you thought would make you happy is now making you miserable because we didn't wait for the process. And I'm not saying don't have nice cars. Have nice cars. Have lots of nice cars. But make sure those cars don't have you. God wants what's right for you in your life. And he's going to use the absolute right methods to bring that into your life at the right time. Because how many of you would think I'm a good dad if I threw Jude the keys? You're a loving dad. Well, I just don't, I don't want to kill like Jude's joy. He's excited. He loves the car. He pretend drives it every day. I'm, I'm mean. But how many of us withhold dessert before dinner for our kids because we know that what dinner produces in them is far greater than what candy does? And so because we love our kids... And because we, we want to be there for our kids, we say no to the moment so we can say yes to the life. And maybe that is exactly what El Shaddai is doing in your life right now. Because that name, El Shaddai, here's the question. Do you believe in the God who is able? Do you believe in the God who is able? Here's a, maybe a, a, a definition that can give us a little more clarity on what El Shaddai means. A, this is, comes from R.C. Sproul. A better foundational meaning of El Shaddai may be what? The overpowerer. 
the overpowerer. The Shaddai comes from another word that means mountain. So another way to think about this is the God of the mountain. For the people of the time and for the understanding of the time, the highest place that you could ever sit was the top of the mountain. There was the place of most power and most prestige. And so when God used the name El Shaddai, I am God Almighty. I am the God of the mountain. I am the overpowerer. It emphasizes that God's power to, to achieve his purposes is real. And for some of us in here, you have this great vision for your life. You have this great uh, moment in your life where you go, man, that's where I'm headed. And that's what God has for me. And you and I need to put that under the name of El Shaddai, the God who is able. Because for a lot of us, I don't know if you've ever hiked a mountain, but when you get really steep on a mountain, you can't see the pinnacle anymore. You can't, you can't see, you get into moments where the terrain takes away the horizon and you lose sight of where you're going. And so you would be tempted to quickly move ahead or quickly get ahead or quickly cut a corner or do something to get up there quicker. And God says, no, there's a process and a time for this. And I need you to trust that. Because for a lot of us, we get anxiety in the process You're never nervous on the flight until you start circling the city. Why haven't we landed yet? What's taking so long? There must be something wrong. Maybe maybe we're not going to land there at all. Maybe we're going to turn around. Maybe we're going to land in a different city. You know, maybe the pilot messed up or I messed up and now we're not going to go there. Or this is never going to happen. Where are you in your life? Are you, is that the lies that you're starting to tell yourself and to believe? We'll never get there. It's never going to happen. The obstacles are too big. I, this, my, my marriage will never be okay again. My, my kids are never going to come back to the Lord. My savings will never recover from that big mistake. I'll never have that job opportunity again. I have missed the time and man, God, it's just not going to come back around and I can and I won't and... So now, because I am panicking, I will begin to use methods that I shouldn't to try to accomplish what God has promised in my life. And what God says is his name is a part of the solution to our doubt in that moment. And where faith is so important. And he says that his name, when we are doubting the process and the timing of God, is El Shaddai, the overpowerer. So what does he say? The the text just said, Abraham is 99 years old. That's not good family planning, okay? When you're 99 years old, it's not like, let's have a bunch of kids now, right? Like, it's like, the time has passed. This is impossible. But what does God say to Abraham's age and Abraham's doubt? I am El Shaddai. I am the overpowerer. I am the one who is high up on the mountain. I am the one who can get you through this. Because here's the reality. God had so much more for Abraham than just giving him a lot of inheritance. When God reveals his name as El Shaddai, he now begins to paint a picture for Abraham that is HD in why things needed to wait and why there needed to be processed. Because it wasn't just having uh, the number of inheritance being that of the stars. It was something so much more important. Because do you not only believe in the God who is able, but do you believe in the God who can do more than what you hope for?
See, because some of us don't understand why God hasn't gotten us to that thing because you only saw a glimpse of what God is going to do. God gave you a quick glimpse of the future of what he has for you, but he did not paint you the whole portrait. Because if God painted you the whole portrait of what he was going to do, you'd probably be so overwhelmed you would just shut down. Listen to what God says to Abraham in the story. Continuing in verse 2, it says, Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. Let me tell you what I'm going to promise you, Abraham. Well, Abram, his name changes here in the text. It says this. You will be the father of many nations. Not just a lot of inheritance. Now you're going to be the father of starting nations. You will be the father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant. That means this never runs out between me and you and your descendants after you for generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you, the whole land of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give you as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Then God said to Abraham, as for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you for generations to come, not to the Lord bring us up, or did not the Lord bring us up and do all of these things? He begins to remind him, but he says, look, you're going to have to keep this covenant with you. And notice that Abraham's name changes there. Abram, in the beginning in verse 3, is A-B-R-A-M. And God says, what? Your name will be Abraham in the text. What does that mean? God changes his name to equate to his call. Ab, A-B, would be what we get the word Abba from, which means father. Ham would be many. And God says, I'm going to change your name to equate with your call. You just weren't ready to understand that yet. You weren't ready to receive that yet. You weren't ready to understand that yet. And so I am going to even name you now based upon what I'm going to do in your life. Because here's the deal. He just thought he was going to have a lot of descendants. But now Abraham, out of the gift that God is going to give him of inheritance, nations and kings will be born. And not just any old kinds of kings. There is one king in particular who is born out of this family line that you and I are now beneficiaries of. His name is Jesus Christ. So God was not only here to help save the world, but out of Abraham's line, he was going to save humanity. Could you imagine the kind of pressure you'd feel if it said, out of your offspring and out of your inheritance, I'm going to choose to save the world? What? That's a lot of pressure. I know. That's why I didn't tell you that yet. Because you weren't ready for that. Because you still think that that pressure is on you, but it's not. It's on me. I'm God. I'm saving them. You're not. This doesn't really rely on you. It fully relies on me. Abraham was only looking for this heir. God was looking to bless the world. And so we cannot compromise on living a godly life and following God's will to get there quicker. You're not ready for the inheritance. You're not ready for the gift. You're not ready for these things if everything that we are doing in this life is 
antithesis of what God would ask us to do in the process. We had a moment with some of our kids where we wanted to give our kids this gift. And uh, we were talking a lot about it. And we were talking about, and there's a lot of responsibility with this gift. And what we really quickly realized is, is their character and where they were in the process of life right now was not at a place that they could inherit this gift. And so we, as loving parents, not because we don't want to take away the gift, we want to give the gift in the wrong time, we said, we're going to wait on this gift. We're going to wait and we're going to allow development and process to take place so that when you receive this, you're truly ready and this really does enhance your life. And maybe that's you in this room right now. The question is, do you believe in El Shaddai in the process? Do you believe in the one who can overpower your doubt, your confusion, your anxiety, your worry, and every obstacle that you see in the way of God's promise for your life right now? Do you believe in El Shaddai? Because let me tell you something. There is a real aspect of realizing for you and me when it comes to the gifts of God and blessings in our life that it's not about us, it's really about him. And that you and I are stewards of what God has given us, that the gift isn't for us. Like for some of us in this room, you need to think about legacy beyond just you dying and being okay and healthy. Some of us in here, God is not calling you for one generation. He's calling you for generations to come. And the way that you live your life now and the way that you trust the process and you wait on God's timing and you take time is because God is building something not only for you, but for the generations to come after you. And it's not just financial and it's not just houses and it's not just making sure that everyone has every dollar that they're going to need for their whole life. Some of you in this room are called to build a spiritual heritage for your families. And what you do in this time and how you live in this life and how you trust God's process in this time will set your family up for success much later down the line because they'll remember when grandma and grandpa and great-grandma and great-grandpa and the kind of faith that they had. The question for you and I who are in process, and by the way, if you're not dead, you're in process. Isn't that comforting that every person in this room with you right now is in process and that can equate and can understand some of the frustration, the anxiety, and the worry that you have about what God has for your life right now. And they can talk to you right now in this room with empathy and understanding because they may not be in process in the same thing, but they're in process too. And that we together as a group of believers in a church can encourage one another and say, hey, I know that this is tough and I'm still waiting too, but I'm trusting El Shaddai in the moment. And that obstacle that I see no way around, God has already planned the route. I just got to get there at the right time and we can encourage one another. See, because what God had for Abraham was so much more than just an heir and a bunch of stars. You're like, that's a really cool thing, a bunch of stars. No, nations and kings and kingdoms were born out of Abraham's life in his, this moment to wait, in this moment to trust, in this moment to believe. You know what Isaac actually means? The name Isaac means laughter. Because when the angel of the Lord visits and says what's going to happen, Sarah laughs. 
because it's impossible. And God says, the funny, I got a joke too. Your son's name is going to be Isaac. <laughs> and what you thought was impossible was completely possible with me. You just have to believe in El Shaddai. But here's the reality as we finish today is this. Not only do we have to believe in El Shaddai, we have to do it God's way. Verse 10 of chapter 17, the Bible says this, this is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. And then he says this, and he gives a sign of the covenant, every male among you shall be circumcised. It's a reminder of the blessing that God has brought in their life and the covenant that they have brought. And every person of Israel after this was a sign of God's faithfulness and God's covenant, even if they didn't understand it. Every son, every daughter that was born into the nation of Israel after this moment was a sign of the promise of God. And for you and I, spiritually, we are signs of the promise of God that he made to Abraham of the descendants of the family because it's not just a physical family, it's a faith family. I mean, can you look at just even in this room and look around and go, man, look at the faithfulness of God to Abraham. Look at the faithfulness of, they were 99 years old. They don't even have the kid now. They got to wait. And yet here we are, preaching about this moment thousands of years ago. And it's still relevant today because El Shaddai is still sitting on the mountain and he is still on the throne and he still has a plan and a purpose for your life. And though you are in process, like our great, 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 whatever, I mean, greats, grandfather Abraham, we need to trust in El Shaddai. And I thank God for this story because it's not a story of a man's failure. It's a story of the faithfulness of God. And I want you to notice that when God shows up, he doesn't say, why didn't you wait, dummy? He just reminds him of who he is. I know you've made some mistakes. I know that we've walked through some things in the wrong way. But I'm here to remind you of who I am. And some of us in here have given up on the process of God because we've messed up and we think that God is waiting with a hammer to hit you. And maybe, and realistically, you're like the prodigal son. And he's not waiting to hit you with a hammer. He's ready and waiting to welcome you home to produce a great work in you. And for some of us, we had to go to some places in the process to be developed to be ready to receive the gift. Because here's the reality. We have to do it God's way because God is not blessing what he's not commissioning. God is not blessing what he is not commissioning. And do not get confused with worldly blessing and spiritual blessing. There's a guy we all know. His name was Bernie Madoff. He had a lot of worldly blessing, did he not? He was a billion, billion, billionaire. You know why he was a billionaire? Because he stole everyone's money. There are whole, if you've watched like any of the stuff on him, there are generations of families who are devastated because he wanted to accelerate the process and the timing of his wealth. And so he put other people below himself and he devastated them. 
And yes, he may have had worldly possession and worldly gain, but he did not have spiritual favor or blessing from God in that. And for you and I, we can be quick to look at other people who are in the same process as us, and we see them cutting corners, and we know that they're cutting corners, and they seem like they're being blessed, and I'm here to tell you they're not. I'm here to, to implore you, church, to call on the name of El Shaddai, to call on the name of God, who is an overpowerer. And today, as we get ready to end, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. On one of the connect cards or a card or in your Bible or somewhere, there's probably something that as I was talking today, it may be vague up here, but it's HD clear in you because the Holy Spirit's been talking to you about it. Maybe it's that relationship. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's that job. Maybe it's that house. Maybe it's that car. Maybe it's, it's that church. Maybe, I don't know. But God has been calling clearly into your mind and into your heart the thing that you're getting ready to cut corners towards getting or already have. And here's what I want you to do. You know the great thing about cutting corners is you can always just stop. You can stop today, right now. You can stop cutting corners. You can start moving and walking towards God in the right way. And you may need to make apologies and you may need to pay some things back. And I don't know, but do it the right way. Do it the godly way, and if you've gone the wrong way, repent and go the other way. But here's what I'm here to encourage you to do. I want you to write El Shaddai on a piece of paper. Shaddai is S-H-A-D-D-A-I, Shaddai. And underneath the name of El Shaddai, I want you to put your problem. I want you to put your process. I want you to write whatever that is. You know what it is. And I want you to put it in a prominent place in your house. Because some of us, we've been cutting so many corners in our life, in our marriage, in our relationships, that we have a hard time looking ourselves in the mirror. And when you have a hard time looking at yourself in the mirror, I want you to put El Shaddai in your problem there. And remember that as a child of God, you're under the covenantal grace of God. And you may be struggling. And I know that a lot of us are. But he is the overpower, overpowering your guilt and your shame, overpowering your worry and your anxiety, overpowering every obstacle that is before you, overpowering it all. And so what I'm going to do is when our heart does not believe the truth, we need to tell it the truth. And so every day, I want El Shaddai on your mirror, in your car, wherever you need to put it. And I want you to remember that you're going to place whatever that is under his powerful name. And you're going to trust and believe in his process. He is able. Will you let him? And so I'm going to pray and we're going to sing together. And just bring it to the Lord. Bring it to him now. Lay it at his feet. God can do way more than you ever hoped for. And so Lord, I pray for our church today. I pray for us as a group of people 
who, God, are in process. And, men, some of us are so tired of the process and so weary by the timing. And, God, we just want to see it come to pass. And so, God, would you give us endurance? And would you give us faith? And would you give us trust? Would you give us peace in the middle of the storm? Would you give us the hope that we need? Would you clear our vision? And that, God, today we would believe in your mighty name, El Shaddai. And we would call on your mighty name, El Shaddai. And that we would trust you in this moment. And that we would encourage others to stay faithful and to continue to walk and continue to move towards you. And God, even in this moment, I feel your Holy Spirit pressing on me with one thing. Whatever marriage feels like it's in here that's done, it's not. Whatever family is in here and they just, man, they've just desired that family and those kids and they're single or they're, they're, they're just not coming together. It's not. God is just bringing it together in his perfect time, in his perfect way. And so would you trust in El Shaddai today? And so God, we love you. We thank you. We honor you today in this place. We praise you in Christ's holy name. And everyone said, amen.